Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Tuesday, May 1st. On today's show, our guest, the Reverend Steve Cordell, Senior Pastor, Crossroads United Methodist Church, on being a spiritual mother or father. Also, they say hard work is a virtue, but Scripture warns us of its vice. Our guest is Rebecca Renee Jones. And Mariah Carey has admitted to manic depression, how one person can inspire others. Our guest, Amy Simpson. Here now are John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings to you. Yep. you and to you as well. Thank you. That's a lot Were you greeting on. me or were you greeting the listeners? I maybe should have just stayed quiet. That was a general consensus, a general mm-hmm. greeting. Mike, you've been greeted. Mike, you I want to well. greet you as well. And Diane out at the reception desk. Hi, Diane. Hi, Diane. Very nice. I love Diane. Me too. Holy smokes. How are you doing today? It's so gorgeous outside. It's just a wonderful, wonderful day. But we're inside. But we're inside, and I'm a little cold. <laughs> well, can you control that? No, you can't. So I'm going to go get my cape. All right. Your wrap. I, wear, I wear, have this wrap that I keep yeah. here just for when the studio gets cold, and I'm going to go get that at the break. When you were a kid in school, what did they call the coat closet? Oh, uh, What did they call question. that? Um, when I was in your wrap. When I was in kindergarten, I remember the um, – it was go to your hooks – your hooks. Yes, yeah, so we all we all had a hook. Sounds like a pirate. Uh, no, we had like a double Go hook where hooks. you could you could hang your coat. I clearly remember where our hooks were in kindergarten because I remember Jeffrey Hoffman mm. asking me something at the hook one day. I, I don't know what it, what he was, but I started to cry because I had just been grounded, and I was afraid to tell him. I was embarrassed that he would find out. Wait, wait, wait. You were yeah. grounded in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Like, were you a radical? Well, here's the thing. What, I what never went on? anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know what it was. And I don't remember what I did. Uh-huh. It was the only time in my life I was ever grounded. You know. It was in kindergarten. But You're I remember not going anywhere. Jeff Hoffman, I didn't want him to know. <laughs> Isn't that shame? Yeah. That's a lot of shame there mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Huh? Anyway, so it was called it was called Go to Your Hooks the in Kindergarten. Hooks. But I believe after that, well, I don't know what it was until we got lockers. Yeah, it used to be called something like, you know, it wasn't the coat closet. Your cubby or, or your... I don't know. I, it was in the back of the room. There was no door there. They, you know, stored art supplies and flashcards and things. So your coat kind of smelled like paste? Well, yeah, happily so. Isn't paste a good smell? It is, Yeah. I like paste. I love the smell of yeah, paste. I'm pro paste. Just want to let you know, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Don't you remember paste? The paste, smell of paste from elementary school, Mike? I thought it was the nastiest what? smell. Oh, I did love it. Did you ever eat paste? So gross. Did your no. Did your teacher get it get it out of the container with a ruler? Oh, okay. ju- my yeah, teacher yeah. always did that. How about homemade like a paste? Pill? I'm sorry. It tastes like what? It tasted like a fluoride pill. Why were you tasting it? You're supposed to use no, it no. on paper products. Guys would eat it. Yeah, guys would eat it. You never ate paste. What? Oh, I never ate paste. I tried it once I've, last week. I've eaten paste. <laughs> no. Most guys will try anything once. And of course, you know, especially as a kindergartner, you're going to stick stuff in your mouth. I'm going to eat no, some paste. No, I never ate paste. Yeah, it's like some escargot with a side of paste. That's crazy. Yeah, give me a shot hey, of speaking of, hmm. something else happened the other day that we haven't talked about. Uh-oh. <laughs> What's this? Listen to this, Mike. You were gone. Yeah, look. It was th- I think it was, it was Friday. So we're in here getting ready for the show. It's like, you know, uh, maybe 3.59. So, you know, there's all, you know, a big hustle of us getting oh, our sure, papers sure. and everything out. John's got an orange. What? Yeah, okay. So he's he's got his orange peeled. Yeah. He, br- he breaks it in half. That's a nice orange. And he says, do you want some? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. 
And he proceeds. He hands me one half and the other half. Or no, no. Before he handed me the half, he bit into it like an apple. Ew. Like he, <laughs> like he bit into it. I said, what are you doing? It was super delish. He said, I'm eating an orange. I said, an orange is perfectly sectioned by God so that you eat one <laughs> section at a time. So you, you need to peel too. No, no, no. No, no. It was already peeled. No. It was She's just saying, peeled. I, you know, like, you know, instead of eating the orange sections, I just stuck the piece, like the whole thing in my mouth. Like it's and an apple. Bit it. Like it's a pear. What's that's, the big deal? That's, that's normal, I think. Mike. Thank you, Mike. I think that's completely normal. Why do you think God gave us sections in the orange? It's uh-huh. to make eating a civilized procedure. I don't that's know. That's what it is. It's time for that. Just oh, no. Oh, thing. you have an orange right there. Yeah, no, right it's here, not right an here. orange. It's not an orange. Clementine. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see a clementine. That's like a little pop, pop, pop bite size thing. But that orange was so thick and lush. It just demanded like a bite and then the juice. Okay, let me tell you how I didn't want to eat the sections after John had bit into it. I mean, I appreciated the offer. I did. What? But it kind of like, you know, my interest in it waned. Oh, please. Okay, listen to this. so feet. Do you watch (laughs) Fixer Upper? I love Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I know who they are. My favorite TV show. I've never seen the show. You're missing out. Yeah. I know I am. I am. Wait, people are chiming in on the orange thing, I think. Are people calling about the orange? Would you answer those calls? All right, answer the calls. I want to eat just my orange. Are you biting into it like it's an apple? No, I can't do that because it's too juicy. It's too messy when you do that. You need to, you know... Take the peels off. I'm telling you, that's why God sectioned it for you, so that you could eat it like a regular, mature person. Now, if I wasn't in my office right now, yeah. with a computer, then, oh yeah. Of course. I'd just, just bite it like, a, like an apple. Bite that, I'm yeah. going to get this call. All right, go right ahead. All right, if it's about the orange, let us know. Chip and Joanna Gaines. Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know. Favorite couple. And I'm sure that they're awesome. The they only awesome. reason I have not watched their show is I had to give up HGTV a couple years ago because it was making me dislike my own life. It's a really great show. Anyway, I hear everything good about them, mm-hmm. but in the USA Today, Daryl Austin wrote an opinion piece Please. where he was he was a little hard on them. But I, I get what he's saying. This this is kind of I the this is the main idea he was going at. He said the gains are often portrayed as the gold standard of family first couples, but he said there's no way that can be true because. And then he starts listing these things. These things. Are you ready? In addition to running their home in a forty acre ranch. The Gaines also run... Oh, look. My alarm's going off. I think think I'll stop it. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, The Gaines also run a successful real estate company across the Texas cities of Waco, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. Their real estate services include land development, renovations, rental property management, remodeling, fixing and flipping homes, a brokerage, and managing a large team of real estate agents. That's not it. Since their oldest child, Drake, was born, they've also started or maintained additional ventures that include two weekend stay locations, three books, and a fourth one on the way, a shopping center they estimated drew 70,000 people during a spring break in 2017, a quarterly magazine, an online store, a restaurant, an interior design company, a blog, which Joanna still writes herself, a wallpaper line, a furniture line. A paint line, a line of designer pillows and rugs, an exclusive line of products for Target. That's not it. They also filmed five back-to-back seasons of Fixer Upper and just announced last week they're organizing and hosting an annual marathon, half marathon, and 5K. Mm -hmm. 
for and, residents of Waco. And you and I struggle to do this two-hour daily show. I mean, he he's making uh-huh. a good point. They want to be seen as a couple that can do it all while at the same time putting their family first. But there is no – for any of us who live I don't know. normal lives, how could they possibly I don't know. do that while doing all of those things? Seriously, is it my business? It's not your business. No. So, But, 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 but those kids – do those kids on that show look abused or unloved? I have never seen the they show. They do not. Okay. They look happy, well-adjusted kids. So that guy who wrote that article in USA Today? But you think he's a, just a whiner? Just Darryl bought Austin? out. Just bought out. Okay, listen. He business. says, even more revealing is that as soon as they announced they were leaving Fixer Upper to spend uh, more time together as a family, they opened their new restaurant, Magnolia Table, and announced they were designing and providing more than 300 exclusive home decor products for 2,000 Target stores. And they have a new spinoff TV show called Behind the Design that premiered exactly one week after Fixer Upper great. aired. It's, okay, listen. I look forward to watching it. Okay, but is he... He's making a good point. He's saying that if they're saying they can put their family first and do all of that, it makes all of us who are regular Joes and Joannes feel like losers because we can't manage our own job and take care of our kids. No, you know what? They're not tied to a desk. They're running their own empire. Maybe those kids are just with them twenty-four. Yeah, but, as uh, let's go. Let's go look at furniture samples. What, so it would work for let's us. Go. It would work for us if we were running our own empire. Maybe I, I still don't think that that's possible to do in twenty-four I hours. I don't know. I mean, Chip Gaines respond to it. On this Twitter. was his tweet. Yeah. He said he and Joanna believe with God anything is possible, including have an amazing having an amazing family and a career you love. Oh, I, I'm all for that. Sure. I mean, I, we, I love God, and I, I think that we have a happy family, and I have an amazing career. But I don't, I don't have 35, you know, subsections Venues. of my job. I like it. You'd love to do that. You'd love I, to do well, some small portion love to, of that. But I, but there's no way that I could do that and have. A relationship with my kids. But here's the thing. It's not just the two of them. It's the two of them probably with a staff of yes. 500. Right. Yeah, that's that's true. So, you know, someone's prioritizing. Someone's good. So you st- feel good about it? I do. I feel fine about it. Yeah, and that guy should just, that's kind of like just sour grapes. That's all. I think you're being kind of hard on I'm Darryl not Austin. being hard. You know, you just, what, you're going to sit there? Well, well, you're all defensive because you like that show because you want to live in their house. I love those people. I just I just feel kindred spirits to them. I don't know why. I just do. Wish okay. they come to my house. Well, I would I wish they'd come Me to too. my house, too. Mike, would you like them to come to your house? Heck, Heck yeah. yeah. Okay, no, great. Yeah. Hey, uh, Amy Barnes coming to Pittsburgh, uh, ladies' night out, May 11. Hey, this is going to be such a fun night. Tickets I've on heard sale. so many people. I've gotten emails from people who want to come. come. Have you signed up yet? I mean, here's the thing. WordFM.com, tickets are still available. Even VIP tickets are still available. And here's what's so good about the VIP idea is that you can come and get your dinner. Yeah. So you don't have to go somewhere else for dinner. You could eat dinner, be there for the show, make it, make a night of it, hang out with Amy Barnes longer. I'll be there. Mike and John are super excited We're about Ladies' Night Out. We got a little cut here, right? What? This is Amy Barnes being funny. Yes. Here she goes. You're not coming? No. No. So I went to the mall to shop for a new workout outfit. I went in the athlete's foot at the mall, which is kind of an unfortunate name for a shoe store, isn't it? That's a foot fungus. Athlete's foot. Foot fungus. Got some socks there at the athlete's foot. <laughs> Had to pick up a pair of sunglasses over at the pink eye hut. Just swing by that cold sore kiosk. Get some lip balm. <laughs> Terrible name for a shoe store, right? The athlete's foot. I have the same problem with the dress barn. <laughs> Woman wants to buy a dress at a barn, right? You have that in my size? What is that, hogs or heifers? 
Yeah, she's funny. Right? I love her. I do, too. I can't wait for May 11th. May 11th. Buy your tickets right now, wordfm.com. But I'm going to be heartbroken if you guys don't show up. We, we got nothing. Uh, that's the last thing I'm going to do is go to Ladies Night Out. Truly, it is. Well, one nothing. thing I'll tell you, we wouldn't let you eat an orange that way. Everyone's got their own manners. Right? Everyone's got their own manners. Working out my own salvation. Steve Cordell's that's with not us. not your salvation. It's an orange. They're both connected. They're not. 101.5 Word FM. Next time on Orchard Hill Today. What a scene. A dinner party that's comprised of two completely different people. The notorious sinner inside the home of the notable saint. These folks could not have been more different. This week, Rick Iglesias, executive pastor at Orchard Hill Church, looks at Luke chapter 7 and the life change that happens through forgiveness. Be sure to join us weekday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Orchard Hill Today on 101.5 Word FM. Were you born before the year 1956? If so, did you know you could be collecting between $575 and $2,200 in tax-free income right now? All thanks to the FHA. Or what about this? Did you know 54 U.S. congressmen have used a special tax-free account to earn up to 35 times more on their money? It's true, and you can do it too. These are just two of the secrets revealed inside a stunning new book from the Palm Beach Research Group and Ted Benna, the man behind the 401k. You'll discover the 18 best cash cows that can help you earn up to an extra $6,800 a month. You can get your own free copy. Just go to 501kretire.com right now while there are still copies left. That's 501kretire.com. 501kretire.com. Get what's yours. Just go to 501kretire.com right now. 501kretire.com. You run your HVAC unit more than you run your car. But would you go a whole year without servicing your car? Prolong your unit's life and avoid expensive breakdowns with Pellis Heating and Cooling. Pellis will service your system to keep your unit running strong. Of course, if you have an emergency, a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day with after-hour calls returned within 15 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S at PellisHVAC.com. Next, you're holding up the line, ma'am. What did you say? You're next in line for the water slide, ma'am. Feet forward and enjoy the ride. Okay, dearie, this does look fun. You melted me. I've melted. The Wicked Witch of the West on a water slide? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to Geico. See what you've done. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Do you dream of owning your own home? Dollar Bank's free Mortgages for Mothers workshop can show you how to break the rent cycle. You'll learn the right way to home ownership with a plan to strengthen your savings and create less debt. You can even get help with restoring bad credit. Join Lynn Hayes Freeland and Dollar Bank at the free Mortgages for Mothers Home Buying Workshop, Saturday, May 19th at 9 a.m. at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Child care will be available. To register, visit MortgagesForMothers.com today. Dollar Bank, Equal Housing Lender. Crossroads United Methodist Church, Pastor Steve Cordell is with us, his monthly slot. Steve, always a pleasure. Good to see you. Great to be here. We welcome you and your bronchitis. Uh, thank you. I apologize in advance if I cough. No, but, no, no. Uh, it's fine. It's okay. been going around, right? Oh, man. It's been going around. Yeah. Okay, so you just returned from a fabulous trip. 
from Israel. Yes, it was an amazing journey. And uh, we had 18 of our church members with us. My wife and I went my third time there and my wife's first time there. And uh, it was a tremendous experience. And I really enjoyed seeing Linda, my wife, experience it for the first time. Mm. And I think many people who go for the first time are surprised in some ways, respects. Uh, there, there's, of course, an amazing impact on your reading of the Bible. You never read the Bible the same way after you go to Israel. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, but there's a couple of observations I made this time about it. Um, one is, I think many people experience, when they go, a surprise about the land, the earthiness. What I mean is, I think um, some folks imagine a kind of otherworldly yeah, nature right. to yeah. Israel. Yeah, yeah. And what impacts them, I think, is this is a real place mm-hmm. where real people walk around and do things. In other words, mm-hmm. God came to earth. I think that was what comes through. Yeah. And that God works in people who are real people in a real place. Mm-hmm. And one of the impacts uh, of that is we can think, maybe God will work in my place through me. And so I think that is a powerful lesson when you go to Israel. Now, of course, it is astonishing. And we were able to stand in the Garden of Gethsemane. And some of those trees are certified. They're over the roots or over uh, up to 3,000 years old, which means they were there when Jesus was there praying. That is the place. That is the Garden of Gethsemane. We're standing there. That's amazing. It is truly uh, astonishing. We were over at Caiaphas' house, which is the location of the high priest of Caiaphas' house. The archaeologists uh, say that's the place. And there's a church built over there, and there's a pit. There's in that house a uh, basically a dungeon. Uh, which begs the question, what does a high priest need a dungeon for? But, you know, it's a whole different time and a whole different issue there. But there's this dungeon, and that's that's where Jesus was kept when he was taken to Caiaphas' house. So it's this hole, hmm, really? a hole in the ground uh, about 15 feet below. They they lowered him into this hole in, this, in the rock. And so he was kept there uh, underground in this in this pit. And we were able to stand in that pit and realize Jesus was here. He was prisoner here for me. Stand in that pit, and we read Psalm 88, which is a psalm from the pit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is so impactful. And of course, you know, we were at the Jordan River, and we're on the Sea of Galilee. I was able to preach in the Sea of Galilee, which was a fun thing to do, and just to see the spots where Jesus, the risen Christ, met Peter and said, feed my sheep. And uh, there's so much that's historical there. And it is riveting to be there. Mm -hmm. It is totally riveting. At the same time, what I was appreciating this time there was, yes, we're surrounded by history, but it's not, this is not all about the past. This is about really living lessons for now. When we were standing there, for example, where Jesus was waiting on the shore, when Peter uh, was waiting back in after the resurrection, uh, here it is. There's a church there. It's it's run by the Catholic Church, and it's kind of acknowledging this is where Peter got you know the prime position. This is the place where Peter was given the leadership of the church. And so it was interesting to stand there and realize that Jesus had breakfast waiting for them there at that point. Um, but for me, 
the impact was not so much like, wow, that was cool that happened to Peter. Wow, Peter had that experience right here. But rather, this is a living lesson that every single believer is called to serve Jesus. But so many of us say, oh, I've messed up. I couldn't do that. You know, I mean, after what I've done, I couldn't be used by God. And no, not me. And even when God prompts them, they would say, oh, no, not me. But the lesson of that spot for me was just a reminder that it wouldn't have honored God for Peter to say to Jesus, oh, I know you want me to feed your sheep, Lord, but you know, I, I'm, I've messed up. And he did. Let's face it. I mean, right, just think yeah. about it. What he did was just shortly before, first of all, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't do what Jesus asked him to do. Jesus said, please pray for me. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it. He fell asleep. And then – Three times. Yeah. And then he wondered, what he does is he, is he wakes up. And does what Jesus doesn't want him to do. He whacks off the ear of somebody coming to arrest Jesus. And so that's like 0 for 2. Mm-hmm. And then he caps that off by denying that he knows Jesus. So, you know, Which is what think, he said for sure he would never do. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can't trust him. He doesn't do what he said he's going to do. He messes up when he, he shouldn't do. You don't look at that kind of track record and say, let's put him in charge of the whole shooting match here. That's what we should do. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. But what happens at that spot is Jesus says, feed my sheep. And I think that's so powerful for every believer mm-hmm. if we let that message come through. And I think that's part of the power of being in Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my hope for our folks and my, my prayer and, and some words to them was, let's not just only think about what happened here 2,000 years ago. Let's think about what this means for us right now. What is God saying to us? This is not just ancient history, as astonishing as it is. I mean, it truly is to, to stand in front of, of Capernaum's ta- uh, the, the synagogue there, which is on the foundation of the synagogue that Jesus attended on a weekly basis. That was his home base for his ministry. And to, that's, that's an amazing thing. But to realize that I believe in part what, what God's wanting to do through us visiting there is to recognize he still works through people that are regular ordinary people today in locations Mm -hmm. like Capernaum like Pittsburgh (laughs) he still does that and uh, a trip to Israel can really remind us of that in so many ways so Steve I wonder about this now I've never been to Israel and Cass said you know she's not but you've been there three times um, you've been to play. When I always think about going to Israel, I, I'm, a, I'm of two minds because I don't want it to be like, you know, I don't want to show up and get a Garden of Gethsemane T-shirt. Mm-hmm. So what about that? Is it over touristy where there's buses and hordes of people? But everybody I talk to has a somewhat of a holy experience, but I also worry about the tourism aspect of it. It can be a little distracting. Uh, depending on your tour guide, I suppose. But last year was the highest level of tourists ever, a record number in Israel last year. This year, our guide told us that they're running at double the pace right now. Oh and my so, really? Yes, I've been there twice before. This time uh, in Jerusalem is where I really noticed it the most. It was really crowded. You know, there were a lot of tourists there. And so. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of tour buses around. 
And yet, I would have to say that there were many holy moments uh, for mm. our people. Wonderful. Definitely. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, including my wife. You know, there was, it was just fun to see when we did a reaffirmation of baptism at the Jordan River and she's standing in there. You know, we, it, was, it, was a, it was a really cool thing, even though there was a group of Philippine tourists right next to us who were singing loudly, you know, that's all right. It was mm-hmm. still, you know, yeah. in Jesus' day, there was a lot of people around too. So um, you can get into the tourist thing. Uh, there's gift shops everywhere, sure. and there are people who are, you know, coming up. And and here's the thing I was thinking about, particularly in the Palestinian areas like Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, in some level, it feels like I can want to roll my eyes when somebody runs up and holds these whatever, you know, here sure. buy these beads. purses or beads or whatever. Yeah. And yet, I think, but. They don't have a lot of ways to support themselves here. This is the only way. Right, here's the engine. This is it. And so if they don't run up to you and say, will you buy this, they're not going to make any sales. They're not going to feed their family. So there is a little bit of that as well. So I bought some stuff in Bethlehem that eh, I probably didn't really need to buy that stuff. But I went in there knowing this is an area that is really – um, where there are Christian brothers and sisters, and there's not mm-hmm. many in mm-hmm. Israel, and this is the way that they get supported, you know, by the the people coming in. and And our guide was a was a actually a uh, Israeli Arab, mm-hmm. and he was born. He's an Israeli citizen, but uh, he was born in a. a, a Israeli military jeep during the Six Day War. Wow. It was a very astonishing wow. story. Holy heck. Yeah. So he's got a unique perspective. He's proud to be Israeli, but he's also proud to be Arab mm-hmm. and a very unique as a Christian brother. Fabulous. Well, thanks a lot for that, Steve. That was a nice insight on it. You came here to talk about something else, and we made a little sidebar, but I really appreciate that. Steve Cordell, Crossroads United Methodist Church. When we come back, Steve's going to talk about becoming spiritual fathers and mothers. Stick around, please. Give those old, saggy, leaky gutters a good spring cleaning the easy way by saying goodbye to them for good. Protect your home from water damage and stay off the ladder with LeafGuard, the only patented one-piece seamless covered gutter system. No more leaves and debris. LeafGuard attaches directly to the fascia with patented internal brackets using screws, not nails, so it's not coming down even in rough weather. Call 855-4-NEW-GUTTERS and get LeafGuard now and take advantage of great savings like 70 25% off labor and installation. That's 855 the number 4 new gutters. Call now and you'll even get a free $100 restaurant.com gift card along with your in-home estimate. Call 855 the number 4 new gutters and get LeafGuard today. 855 the number 4 new gutters. All offers subject to terms and restrictions. See anglergutter.com slash current offers. Subject to change without notice. LeafGuard PA license PA126357. This is Robin Trzynski of the Original Mattress Factory. Interested in that half-off mattress sale? Don't be. Most retailers are just promoting half-off a completely made-up price loaded with huge markups. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have never had a sale. Our hand-built quality and value are there every day. And our prices don't change. So take your time and purchase only when you're ready. Don't buy into the half-off sale hype. It simply isn't real. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. 
Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Sponsoring a child with compassion is the most effective way to end extreme child poverty. Release a child from poverty when you become a Compassion Sponsor. Choose your child now at Compassion.com slash radio. Do your part to release a child from poverty today. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Now with free shipping, like today. Stay road ready for half the price. Green Apple Auto Works in Glenshaw will change your oil and filter for half off at just $19.95. For repair and maintenance, ASC certified techs, Napa parts, and a fair price, go with Green Apple Auto Works in Glenshaw. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping. Clear and rather mild for tonight, below 56 degrees. Tomorrow, partly sunny, breezy and very warm, high 81. Increasing clouds for tomorrow night. It'll be a warm night, low 66. And for Thursday, breezy and staying very warm with clouds and some intervals of sunshine. An afternoon shower, thunderstorm will be around. High again, 81 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Steve Cordell's with us talking about becoming spiritual fathers and mothers. Steve, uh, go into this. Uh, you know, if you want to turn a dinner conversation serious, yeah. just ask your guests, so tell me about your father. Uh, it's something that touches people's mm-hmm. it's deep heart. It, yeah, it does. It seems to be that way. And um, so it brings up that there's such a deep connection that, how, that God has wired us with to a our earthly father, and uh, there are many today who do not have uh, the chance to grow up with a father's love and presence and, and guidance. Uh, the U.S. Department of Education says 39% of students, first to 12th grade right now, are fatherless. That is, they don't have a father, in biological father in the home. And that takes a toll on their lives every day. It shows up in their relationships, shows up in self-confidence, uh, all kinds of ways. You know, children are are twice as likely to drop out of school. Uh, seven out of ten high school dropouts are fatherless. Mm. Girls that are fatherless, uh, twice as likely to be obese, four times likely to get pregnant as a teenager. Mm. Boys act out, they're twice as likely to go to prison. They're more depression, more low self-esteem, all that kind of stuff. So we want to, first of all, let me give a shout-out to places like Urban Impact, who are making a dent mm. in our own mm-hmm. area locally here, and yeah. locally on um, that and i want to say if you've not if you're a guy get to the man up conference in june that they put on and uh, they are doing a great job um, uh, combating that but as a pastor i also see there's a real deep need for spiritual fathers and mothers in the church there's a sense of mm-hmm. fatherlessness in the church uh, it's not to be that way, but that's true. Now, when I say fathers in our conversation here today, uh, I'm going to include mothers as well. I'm going to use the word father intentionally because I think that needs that challenge to guys to stay, step up to this role. Uh, you know, we call the great leaders of the early church the church fathers. And there's church mothers as well. I'm mm-hmm. in no way trying to say that that's not the case. Um, but 
what we need, I believe, is what Paul had with his his converts. That is this mm-hmm. relationship that he said he was like a father to them. He was a spiritual father. Like 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 15 to 17, he says, In Christ, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love. Hearing that, he says, I'm, I'm your father through the gospel. And then he says, I've got this other son, Timothy. I'm sending him to you. So my point is that spiritual fatherhood is not just for apostles, not mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. the ones you know who were the saints of the past, but that it's a normal part. It's to, to be a normal part of the kingdom of God. And um, this really came to mind here not that long ago. I was at a conference called Exponential. It's about church planting. Mm-hmm. I was there with a team from our church, and uh, we heard uh, a guy named Oscar Muriu p- uh, preach and speak. He's from Kenya. He has started uh, dozens of churches out of his, and uh, he has a goal of seeing uh, literally thousands of churches started out of his uh, there in Nairobi, Kenya. And as he spoke, he spoke on being sending not just planters, but sending spiritual sons. Now, he also said, also, mothers sending is important, too. And in other words, mothers, we need spiritual mothers as well as spiritual fathers. But he used that father language, and it just happened that I was sitting there in that session next to my son. It was the only session out of all week that I happened to be sitting next to him. It was just one of those random things. But I felt it was God's grace that um, I was hearing this talk with my son next to me. But I also had a hope and a goal coming out of that time that I would have some spiritual sons and daughters mm-hmm. around me you know, as, um, as my ministry continues to progress. And and so what I want to encourage people to do is not just to find a spiritual father or mother, but to be a spiritual father mm-hmm. or mother. Uh, and um, so I could define that. You know, I think it's really a relational term. More than a disciple or a discipler is, a, I think, a lot about teaching. But there's something more encompassing about a spiritual father. Mm-hmm. And uh, he articulated 10 practices. What does a spiritual father do? I wanted to share some of those, and I put some of my own in here as well. So uh, I don't want him to be blamed for those. But uh, mm-hmm. the spiritual okay, so fathers. We're, we're going to make you stop on that. And sure. then we're going to take a break and come back. Because yeah. I want to hear them all in one group. Yeah. Okay. A spiritual father, the good practices of that. Steve Cordell's with us. Crossroads United Methodist Church. We'll be right back in a minute. WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. It's quite all right for them to be dressed in white, fine linen, clean, because though they're in the army, they don't have to do a blessed thing. All they have to do is watch, and when the Lord speaks, the war is over. I could be in on an army like that, right? Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Escape the Coming Night, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. This is an amazing story about one of our own. 
His name is Guy Reschenthaler, and Western Pennsylvania is his home. Guy Reschenthaler volunteered for duty in the Iraq War. As a JAG officer in Iraq, Guy Reschenthaler prosecuted nearly 100 dangerous terrorists. But Guy Reschenthaler did something else. He successfully defended a Navy SEAL, falsely accused of misconduct. That's the kind of person Guy Reschenthaler is. If you need help, Guy is there. Here at home, we elected Guy Reschenthaler Magisterial District Judge, and then we elected Guy to the State Senate. Guy Reschenthaler is a proven winner. He's also a proven conservative. Guy Reschenthaler believes life is a gift from God and must be protected. That's why he supported groundbreaking pro-life legislation and worked to defund Planned Parenthood. Guy Reschenthaler, a conservative champion for Congress. Conservatives are PA paid for and is responsible for this message. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.conservativesforpa.com This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem and all collections and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audits, or payroll taxes, it's not too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, Call 800-813-1105. 800-813-1105. That's 800-813-1105. Business is booming, and so is Christian Business Partners, where you'll find allies who share your values as you seek to serve God in and through your daily work. Now with seven chapters throughout the region, including new groups in Monroeville and Ambridge, Find weekly encouragement from 8.15 to 9.30 a.m. as you enjoy prayer and Bible study, fellowship, trade referrals, and make friends. Find your Christian business partners at cbp316.com. So what did you think? I was really impressed. You were right. Newcastle Christian Academy has a lot to offer. Couldn't you just see Lauren thriving there? Yeah. I really like that uh, Orton Gillingham. A reading specialist. I know. That could really help with her dyslexia. And all of those extracurricular activities. Hey, they have archery. I mean, how cool is that? And band and drama. And scholarships. Newcastle Christian Academy. Preschool through eighth grade. In the heart of Lawrence County at nccaed.org. Keith Cordell's with us. We're talking about becoming spiritual fathers and mothers and those men and women in our own lives. All right. So, Steve, what do spiritual fathers do? Well, uh, a number of things. One is to believe in their sons and daughters, to cheer them on, to celebrate them. Uh, A teacher can instruct and correct, but a father... A father is one that stands with and behind their children. Mm-hmm. You know, a father mentors and celebrates them. So uh, the uh, the spiritual son or daughter can really sense the belief of their father in them. And that provides something that's really special and important because often we don't believe in ourselves. And we will go a lot farther when we can ride on the belief of our spiritual father and mother. And I, and I, I think about that um, 
in relational terms. You know, this is the spiritual father is a little different than a teacher or somebody you look up to. I mean, you look up the spiritual father to some degree, but there's this relationship at the center, and it and it's one of love, and you start with believing. And so Paul, he Paul freely told people he loved them, and even the Corinthians, the Corinthians who were acting in very unchristian ways, mm-hmm. he was writing a letter to having to correct them. But he didn't come at that by, let me tell you, I'm an apostle, you better shape up. He didn't say, oh, you're letting me down, I taught you these things. He said, I'm your father, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he came in with that kind of act of love. He says, you don't have many of these. Mm-hmm. He said, you, you have a lot of teachers, but you don't have a lot of spiritual fathers. When they needed it most, he came in with this sense of relationship. Uh, a spiritual father also, secondly, creates a safe atmosphere to where they can be real with one another. You know, the father and the, and the son or daughter can be real, and that that is so powerful because then uh, we're not projecting something unnatural upon our, our spiritual children. So that kind of safe atmosphere uh, allows for the freedom of God to be at work in their lives. Um, it also, thirdly, a spiritual father shows how. For me, this is a really important thing. You know, Paul said um, when he was writing to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 15, Therefore, he said, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Mm. I think we're afraid to say that sometimes, you know, when it becomes a spiritual father-mother. But here's Paul saying, do what I do. Watch me. Be like me. A spiritual father will do that and uh, will say, this is how you do it. A, a pastor that I respect named Jimmy Seibert in Texas has had a long track record of developing young men in ministry, and uh, he's become a spiritual father in many. And he has had a practice over the years of taking uh, these young men early on in their, in their development, and he would say, you know, the most important thing for you is to know the voice of God and to spend time with him every day and get your marching orders from him and, his, and your power and this is the center of your life. Now, he could have stopped right there. He could have taught them that. Yeah. He could have preached that. He could say, write this down. He could have done that. Uh, he could have said, hey, I do that. But what he did was he would say, um, I want you to come and have time with God with me for the next couple weeks. Uh, come, I, I do it at 5.30 in the morning. Be here, 5.30. We're going to spend a couple hours with God. I'm going to just let's do this together. And so they would spend two, three weeks every day just doing what Jimmy Seibert does every day. That's a lot different than reading a good book mm-hmm. on a devotional yeah. time. Yeah. That's a lot different than hearing, like, mm-hmm. you should do this. Right. It's a lot of trust. That's Yeah, and that's that's like intimacy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of that safe atmosphere, you know, where you can be who you are in front of God with somebody else. So I think it's part of what gave power, of course, to following Jesus, right? They just watched him. They showed how. There's, I believe there's just not enough showing how in our churches today and where our churches and our relationships can be much much stronger if we would just say to somebody else, watch me as I do this. Yes. Right? You know, that's 
that makes things a lot different. And, you know, there's a like-mindedness. I mean, the, the guys at church are not necessarily out advertising. I could be a spiritual father, and a younger man are not necessarily saying, well, how do I find a spiritual father? Mm-hmm. It's all sort of shrouded in mystery and happenstance in many ways. Right. And I'm not a great expert on this uh, because, honestly, uh, this is new in recent years to me, this this thought about being a spiritual father. and. And even as a pastor for decades, I've really had to check myself, my initial thought, oh, I don't want to put myself forward like that. Or who am I to say that I'm a spiritual father to somebody else? And I recognize that, um, you know, I'm not an apostle. Like, you know, Paul could say, hey, I'm your spiritual father because he he led them to Christ and and started the church, although, you know, uh, I've done that too, but that's not what's needed to be a spiritual father. It's an authenticity and availability, and uh, I do think it's easier to just to start doing some of these practices, not have to announce to somebody, hey, I'm going to be your spiritual father now. Right. I don't think you have to do that. Just start doing some of these practices mm-hmm. of, if you see somebody who you think is open, say, hey, do you want to come and hang out hang out, and do these go things? Go before the Lord, that's yeah. good. Uh, I think a fourth thing a spiritual father does is rejoice in their accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You know, a father does not compete with the child, uh, but rather propels that child. And uh, boy, you know, we need <clears throat> we need a kind of sense of encouraging each other in this way and celebrating. Uh, I'll never forget some years ago, probably almost twenty years ago now, that the dean of a doctoral program in the United States—it's very. Uh, famous came to to speak at our church and he was spending some time with our staff and uh, he did some teaching with our staff and at the end of that time he was just talking to us uh, about what we were doing and he and he turned to me and said steve well done i'm proud of you i still remember that two decades later is that right he said i'm proud of you Mm. and to have somebody like that say that mm-hmm. is so much different than Hold that. Well, you know, good job. But no, I'm proud of you. And I've at that point, I realized how important that is. I have sought to say that regularly to my own children, of yes. course. But now I'm also been very conscious of saying that <clears throat> to those other believers around me. You know, and especially those in our staff and our church, our leaders. Because I see them do things that are amazing, and, and, I, and I say, I'm proud of you. And that's what a spiritual parent will do from time to time, rejoice yes. in that kind of accomplishment. Um, and and um, along the line of success is sometimes um, we need to discipline for future success. Now, I think this is what makes a father, right? This is, and this is where it gets a little, I think, touchy for us uh, as modern Americans, uh, but Paul did that. I mean, he was disciplining mm-hmm. the yeah. Corinthians, you know? A lot. Um, yep, <laughs> right? Um, but um, how do we do that? Boy, that's an interesting challenge. I, I think uh, one of the things that Pastor Oscar said in his talk was you you don't do it out of authority like, you know, as, as your boss, I'm telling you, don't do it that way, do it this way, but rather out of influence, you know, out of the sense of respect. And so... I think that um, just as a father who loves his children, we know, and the scripture says, you're going to uh, you're going to discipline your children. Somehow, a spiritual father has to figure out how to say, 
that wasn't the way to go right mm-hmm. there. You know, without a sense of condemnation or Crushing without a sense someone. of superiority, but rather out of a sense of love. Like if you really care about someone, I think about this, like if we were in Jerusalem here last week and, uh, you know, we were in a very crowded area of uh, the old city and we were a group of like almost 50 of us walking through the crowd, old, old city and through all these maze of little places. Somebody in our in our group started taking the wrong turn going down a different one of those crowded roads. If I didn't care about them, I could just say, well, there they go. And, mm-hmm. Okay, well, they're gone. But if I care about them, I'm going to say, no, no, we're going this way and try to bring them back. And the scriptures do tell us to admonish one another. They mm-hmm. do tell us to do this. Um, and I don't proclaim to be an expert at it, but um, that is a part of being a spiritual father, I do believe. I think a lot so, of these things you're talking about, Steve, requires um, maybe a, an older adage. Because, you know, as you get older, you tend to accept yourself a little more than, you know, if a guy's in his 20s or 30s or 40s, there's a lot of questioning. And of course, it never leaves you totally. But when you hit your 50s or 60s and beyond, you kind of go, this is who I am. I don't mm-hmm. have to apologize for it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So then you're a little more open to see younger men and hopefully start to have that conversation yeah. that they would be um, a- appealing to you and you uh, to them as well. Yeah. Have you had a spiritual father in your journey? I have. I've had several spiritual fathers that I that I would three in my life right now. As a matter of fact, you're a blessed man. I am a blessed man. You know, I, I remember being a young man, and my father was an excellent father, but he just you know he was not effusive. He could not be open, and I always think, give me something. You know, just give me something. So as I grew into manhood, I would intentionally seek out other men who I thought I would see a guy and think. That guy's got strength. That man has wisdom. He has something that I don't have, and that appeals to me. So I would intentionally go out and connect with that guy. Um, it's been a blessing. That takes a lot of boldness. That's really good. I That's guess so. But you know, there's most a, people are are not willing to do that. Yeah. Do well, you agree, Steve? I, I would say so. I think most would. Uh, the rejection fear is too high. Yeah. So how would you tell somebody to get over that? Um, from just for me, it was just my own spiritual hunger. And my hunger of what it is to be a man. So I, I just say I recognize that in someone. I desire that. So I'm going to go and ask for it because if I don't ask, it'll never come my way. Do you think you should go and say, "Will you be a spiritual father?" No. <laughs> did you ask these I did, men? I did not. I just said, "Do you, you ask him to sign a contract nothing. of any sort with stipulations there was or guarantees or anything?" Also, it was like anything, like any the beginning of any relationship, right? It's it's gentle and easy. Want to go have coffee? And, you know, and all of a sudden the key turns. And for all three of these guys, I remember very clearly we crossed sort of a threshold in some way and the relationship morphed into something different than what it initially was. That's all. But you're right. You do have to be bold about it. Yeah. Take a step. Yeah. All right. We need to take a break. Speaking of a step, we'll take a step away, but we'll be right back. Close out the hour with Steve Cordell. So, how are you enjoying this latest stock market roller coaster ride? You've worked too long and too hard to let market volatility and a tired old spend down strategy rob you of your retirement savings. David J. Scranton, founder of Sound Income Strategies, has dedicated his entire career to educating baby boomers how to avoid becoming prey to market volatility and the retirement spend down trap. To teach you how to get off the roller coaster and transform a potential retirement spend down into retirement income, David's now 
now offering free copies of his latest book, Return on Principle, Seven Core Values to Help Protect Your Money in Good Times and Bad to the first 1,000 boomers to respond to this message by calling 866-913-1234, 866-913-1234. Don't let market volatility ruin your retirement, 866-913-1234, 866-913-1234. Call now for your free book. Make your home an ADT home and help protect against break-ins, fire, and carbon monoxide. Get our lowest rate for fast response monitoring starting at just $28.99 a month. That's about a dollar a day from the most trusted name in home security. Get ADT's tested, trusted, and proven security and service now at a great value. Don't wait. Call today. ADT. Always there. Now everywhere. Requires 36-month monitoring contract. Early termination taxes and itself fees apply. Certain markets excluded. See terms and pricing at ADC.com. You run your HVAC unit more than you run your car. But would you go a whole year without servicing your car? Prolong your unit's life and avoid expensive breakdowns with Pellis Heating and Cooling. Pellis will service your system to keep your unit running strong. Of course, if you have an emergency, a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day with after-hour calls returned within 15 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. I was in. You were. Hey, welcome back. Steve Cordell's with us, Crossroads United Methodist Church. We're talking about uh, becoming a spiritual father or mother. Okay, so close this out, Steve. Uh, every parent recognizes that one of their greatest legacies is their children. And the Apostle Paul would say that to his churches. He said, you are my letter. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. present yeah. you. I love that you know, line. Yeah, so consider our lives. Um, you know, we are to influence our own regular immediate family, of course. But what if God would have you have spiritual children? That is, those who are you that you love into, that you help develop spiritually. What a legacy that is, really. Um, you know, it's when, when we can, and I'm sure, John, that you've experienced a great blessing from those you would call spiritual fathers. You're a different man today. Without a doubt. And they can look back now and say, part of what John Hall's life has been about has been influenced by me, you know? And that can be true for all of us who are followers of Jesus. And uh, I, I would say, if you're. A follower of Christ for any length of time, you know, beyond a few months, (laughs) start to look around you as to who you know. Who do you encounter in church? Who could you get to know? And consider the possibility that you could be a spiritual father or mother to somebody else and have a greater legacy than you ever knew Mm -hmm. because that life is going to touch another life and so on. So the Apostle Paul said, you know, uh, all the all the Corinthians problems that they had, their moral problems and all the jealousy and divisions and all, he addressed it at the issue of a father to the children. And so you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have stained glasses and stained glass windows built in your honor to do this. But you do have to be intentional, uh, mm-hmm. and that is willing to put yourself out there a bit. But I will say doing that, I think, also helps you grow in your own faith because, you know, 
as a dad, I've had some times I think, wow, my kids are watching me. I should pay attention to what I say, what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the truth uh, as, as followers of Christ, too. That's very good, Steve. Thanks. Thanks an awful lot for that. Hey, uh, Crossroads United Methodist Church, what's going on at Crossroads? You can find us at crossroadsumc.org on the web, five locations around the Pittsburgh area. Very nice. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thanks for stopping by once a month. You join us on this uh, Tuesday. And uh, take a break, come back. we got lots more for the 5 o'clock hour, okay? WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. After heading overseas on his first days in office, Mike Pompeo is at the State Department for the first time since taking over as the nation's top diplomat. Pompeo was first here at the White House, where the president gave his new Secretary of State a nod. A man that's gotten more publicity than me lately. From here, Pompeo went to Foggy Bottom to address the State Department's workforce for the first time pledging to help regain its swagger after Rex Tillerson's tumultuous run. Because you want to be an important part of America's face to the world, my mission will be to lead you and allow you to do that, the very thing you came here to do. President Trump will ceremonially swear in Pompeo at the State Department tomorrow. Sagar Magani at the White House. A mixed day on Wall Street as the Dow was down by 64 points, but the Nasdaq rose 64 and the S&P advanced 7. Oil down $1.32 to 67.25 a barrel. This is SRN News. A moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo-moo. Hi there, it's me, Marcia from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84 PA on the Saturday before Memorial Day for our annual Farm Heritage Day. During this annual event, two giant tents will hold 20-plus old-time crafters, sharing their wares with you like sheep shearing, wool spinning, quilting, and leather punching. Our old-fashioned chore girls will be churning butter, kneading bread dough, and rolling pie dough and they'll need lots of helpers too take the tour of our modern milking facility where you get to try your hand at milking sally the tour cow the springhouse cooks will feature all kinds of fabulous eats inside too so come hungry for hot roast beef and gravy real mashed potatoes and so much more farm heritage day at the springhouse on saturday of memorial day weekend 11 to 4 let us share a little of our farm with you springhousemarket.com or give us a call at 724-228-3339 individual results may My daughter was really sensitive. She took everything personally. She had a lot of trouble in school. He had some impulsivity issues that I was concerned about. He had trouble making friends, having a lot of meltdowns, a lot of tantrums. I feel like all I did was yell at my kid all day. What Brain Balance did was give us a very distinct game plan. This is what he has. We're going to get from point A to point B, and this is how we're going to do it. We started seeing huge differences in her behavior. His focus in class and how he retains the information that the teacher is talking about is just remarkable. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. There is our life before Brain Balance, and there's our life after Brain Balance, and the two don't even resemble each other. It's a totally different 
life. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. The nation's largest Christian music festival. Creation Northeast. Celebrating its 40th anniversary. Returns to Agape Farm in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. June 27th through the 30th. Featuring Toby Bass. Or King and Country. Jeremy Camp. Bethel Music. Mandisa. Hillsong Young and Free. Jordan Feliz. A special reunion of classic Petra and more. Plus speakers Tony Nolan. Reed Saunders. Keith Adams. Abdul Murray. Vince Vitale and more. Join thousands of believers in Creation Northeast. It will be the highlight of your summer. Maybe your life. More info at Creation Fest.com. Clear and rather mild for tonight, the low 56 degrees. Tomorrow, partly sunny, breezy and very warm, high 81. Increasing clouds for tomorrow night. It'll be a warm night, low 66. And for Thursday, breezy and staying very warm with clouds and some intervals of sunshine. An afternoon shower, thunderstorm will be around. High again, 81 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Tuesday, May 1st. This hour, hard work is a virtue, but scripture warns us of its vice. Our guest is Rebecca Renee Jones. Mariah Carey has admitted to manic depression. How One Person Can Inspire Others. Our guest is Amy Simpson, author, life, and leadership coach. And Mike Nesmith from The Monkees just saw his net worth today is $50 million. But it's due to what his mom invented, not that incredible music from The Monkees. John and Kathy will talk about that a little later on. Why, here they are now, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. It's rare that you get a show that talks about the Southern Baptist Convention and The Monkees. People wish they could cover both subjects, and we're they not just, afraid to. They can't, but we, we can. just dive in head first, <laughs> whether it's appropriate or not. All right, so um, Southern Baptist Convention, um, which is what? Well, the Southern Baptist Convention is a uh, is a, an affiliation of churches that are from the Southern Baptist denomination. Yes, and they all subscribe. It's kind of like a, a presbytery. But when a, you hear the Southern Baptist Convention, you know the first time, or mm-hmm. the, you think, is this a gathering? This a, a, a convention yeah, is going. It's actually it, not a convention. Con- like I'm going to a convention at the convention exactly, center. Exactly. It's actually you. an affiliation of churches. It's a group. Yes. Right. And I think that um, there might, you know, there's a flagship seminar. Um, which is Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, and that's one of the flagships, I should say. Um, there are a couple. I know there's one in Florida as yes. well. But Russell Moore. Right. So Russell Moore is the current head yes. uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention. But a previous president, um, 
is Paige Patterson. Um, and he was a president of the Southern Baptist Convention, but now he is the current president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, the one I referenced in Fort Worth. And he is the one who has come under fire this week. Now, this all started with an article in the Washington Post written by Jonathan Merritt. Yes. And um, it's based on an audio recording um, that has brought some of his counsel to light. Now, this is odd. Only in this day and age would anything like this happen because on Saturday, the aforementioned audio clip from a 2000 Q&A with this man, Paige Patterson, was leaked or circulated to the internet. Something that was 18 years old was now brought to new life. Mm -hmm. So in this interview, in this conversation, Paige Patterson was asked whether or not a woman should submit to an abusive husband. And Paige Patterson said this, It depends upon the level of abuse to some degree. I have never in my ministry counseled that any seek a divorce, and I think that it's always, and I think that's always wrong counsel. There have been, however, an occasion or two when the level of abuse was serious enough, dangerous enough, immoral enough, that I have counseled temporary separation seeking of help, I would urge you to understand that that should only happen in the most serious of cases. As you can imagine, that has engendered a tremendous amount of conversation and a lot of outrage. Um, Many... Uh, outrage that ha- well, has spewed forth on Twitter, on Facebook, on blog sites, um, companion pieces have been written in different publications and such. But to me, um, the most persuasive voices have been women who are part of the denomination. So they don't have an official capacity in the denomination, but they are members of Southern Baptist yes, churches. Longstanding. And they have stepped up. And they have said, you know what, this is our denomination. We need to weigh in on this. And as women who many of them say, um, as women who have had a background of abuse, I can tell you that this is crazy. This is horrible counsel. Um, this is the last thing an abused woman needs to hear from her pastor is, you know, you should go home and submit to your husband. What she needs to hear from her pastor is, I am going to get you out of that place and put you somewhere safe immediately. Right. Now, a lot of this conversation, this backlash, uh, hinges upon the church's attitudes towards divorce. Because, you know, if, you, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, if you yourself have been divorced or have had good friends divorced within the church, you know, whether it's an, you know, an open new 21st century or not, that comes with a lot of shame and a lot of baggage. It just does. Right. The secular world, you know, say what you will, uh, the divorce rate is uh, unacceptable, of course. And the church, you know, supposedly, right, we all to a higher standard. But when you talk about divorce in the church, man, that's that's a rough, hard road. Well, it is, and and the reason it's a hard road is because Jesus says, "Don't get a divorce." Of course, it right? is, and 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 the, that that's what God said in the original uh, elements of creation is that a man would lead, leave his father and mother, and he would cleave to his wife, and that that would be a lifetime commitment. So that's why it's taken seriously. But something horrible happens. When we take something that God has given to us as a gift, which is mar- which is marriage, and 
we turn it into a legal regulation that we can inflict on other people. Yes. And that's where people are um, upset with Paige Patterson. Let me give you this. Um, This is again from the Washington Post. In the audio file, the seminary president recounts a story of a woman who told him that she was being abused by her husband. Patterson says he sent the woman back into the horror of her home, telling her to pray each night, quote, not out loud, quietly, that God would intervene. The woman returned to church with two black eyes from her violent husband. When Patterson saw her wounds, he told her he was, quote, very happy because her pain had made her husband feel guilty enough to attend church for the first time. Wow. Okay, so that so again, we're talking about a regulation. Uh, we're talking about a gift that God has given to us in marriage. And his perspective on it is that the complementarian rules of marriage where the woman is supposed to submit is so profound that it even trumps any fear she has for her own safety or the safety of her children. Right, right. And the more she submits, the closer her husband's going to become to understanding faith and, and coming to church. I mean, it's just – it's preposterous. Well – it's wrong. Well, of course it is. So like all things, it's dangerous. This, this conversation with Paige Patterson will, you know, will find its its place. It'll it'll move forward. But still, the church has a responsibility and it has a place to talk about spousal abuse and how that intersects in people's marriage and what that means if people are thinking about a divorce and what it has to have a safe space for women who are currently under attack in a contentious marriage, in a dangerous marriage. The most important thing any of us need to understand about um, abuse in a marriage is that when you hear about it, you get the person out. Makes sense. End of story. Yeah. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that it's a simple th- – I'm just saying that's what we, that's what we have to do. But that's you, what we have to you do. you know this from your, from your own experiences and your own friendships. That's a difficult thing to do. It's incredibly difficult, and I've tried it and it hasn't worked. Right. So – and then there you go, or whomever, right? The church, what, you go butting your nose into something, which is a slippery, slippery slope. Because the, the, right. how can you tell what's going on between a husband and wife in their own marriage? Right. 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 Just, there's no way. Right. Um, Beth Moore, who is a, a popular Bible teacher, is a, goes to a Southern Baptist church. Yes. And so she has, she has spoken, spoken out about this. And also for anyone who follows Beth Moore or knows anything about her, she is the victim of abuse mm-hmm. in her past. And she speaks freely of it. Right. This is what she said in response. She said, I wish to add one more thing for now to the vital current discussion of wives in abusive situations. It is grossly naive to assume every man who bruises up his wife, realizes he's been outed, shows up at church and cries over how sorry he is, really has repented. Repentance bears fruit. She says, abusers are powerful manipulators. I've seen the come to church and cry thing a thousand times. Thank God, sometimes it's real. Other times, it's to get people to talk her into staying with him. A man who runs his rear end to professional help, never strong arms or verbally assaults her again, he has repented. Amen to that. Well, this is a good and worthy conversation. It so is. So whether it's Paige it Patterson is. or Russell Moore or Beth Moore. Right. People chiming and, in. And I I recognize that it's 18 years old, and I recognize that anything can come out about any of us that we said, and we think, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said that. But I feel like we need to, to end with this. 
Paige Patterson has released a defiant statement about this, defending his comments and attacking his critics. In it, he said those who were upset about his comments had engaged in, quote, mischaracterization, misrepresentation, and lies driven by hatred. Okay. Jonathan Merritt in the Washington Post said something about that I think is instructive. He said, quote, such a statement is troubling in that it seeks to offer himself as the true victim. Also, Patterson fights back when he's attacked. Unlike the women, he has counseled to pray quietly. I'm sure we'll talk about this as uh, the week moves forward. Stay with us, though, won't you please? We're going to talk next. Lord, save me from my side hustle. Hard work is a virtue, but Scripture warns of its vice. That's next. 101.5 WORD. On the next Adventures in Odyssey, the truth is out about Kelly. Yeah, this girl really needs someone steady who loves her. She's lost trust in everyone. And the gang at Wits End feels bad that they couldn't do more. Everyone in her life has rejected her. Yeah, including us. Find out how something Kelly told Ed Washington could mean something much bigger for his family on the next Adventures in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. Hey, I know that many of you know or have worked with my friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial, and so you know that they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance, providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But... Did you know that now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation? Typical savings up to 40%. Small, medium, even large groups, Marley's got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital you want. Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, because Marley's giving you the power to choose what's best for you and your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors. Skip the usual headaches of things like minimum participation, employer contributions, and ask your questions right now to Todd Marley at Marley Financial. 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496. Or find them online at MarleyFG.com. Question for you. Did anyone burst into your church this past Sunday and drag your pastor out the front door? I hope not. Hi, it's Mike with Bible League International, and it happened recently to a man by the name of Nepo, an evangelical pastor in Burundi, Africa. He was preaching with all of a sudden, the door opened, a group of militant Muslims made a beeline to the pulpit, dragged him down the aisle and out the front door, where they beat him unconscious. Why? One reason. He's been faithfully sharing the gospel with militant Muslims here, and hundreds and hundreds have have come to Christ, but they live where it's difficult to get a Bible. And this man, Nepo, he's laying down everything for the sake of the gospel and merely asking us here in America, would you send the word today? WRD and Bible League are teaming up to send Bibles to 5,000 Christians in Africa. All it takes is $5 a Bible. How many will you send today? By calling 800-670-9110. 800-670-9110 or give at wordfm.com today. Finding a Christian school that meets your students' needs and your high standards is simple. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net and discover Greater Pittsburgh's best Christian schools, links to their websites, location information, and more. pittsburghchristianschools.net The question is, what did you get her for Mother's Day? 
Tom. A socket set? No. Stanley. A vacuum cleaner? No. Michael. Tickets to Ladies' Night Out with Amy Barnes? Correct. Tell him what he's won. Michael, you win hero status when you send her and a friend to Ladies' Night Out Friday, May 11th at Impact Christian Church Moon Township. A night of carefree shopping, VIP dining, and side-splitting entertainment with comedian Amy Barnes. Friday, Mother's Day weekend. RSVP now at wordfm.com. Everybody's busy. Everybody's running around. Do you have a side hustle? I do have a side hustle. Dude, I knew you. You're the kind of person that would have a side hustle. Oh, you got a side hustle. I do. Right? I do. Mike has one. What's Mike's side hustle? What's he doing? He's playing hockey. Oh, yeah. Okay. But did he, you know he just started with the new league? I did not know. Yes, he did. It's a side I mean, that's kind of a hobby. It's not really a, a hustle. It might turn into a hustle. He better be hustling while he's playing. Yeah. Like, what is the definition of a side hustle? Well, it's like it's a thing that you're doing. It's like a it's like a it's a project or it's a thing that you're trying to devote grow. yourself to or grow or mm-hmm. expand or you know what I mean. I'm not sure. Let's ask our next guest. Rebecca Jones is with us. She wrote a piece in Christianity Today where she's a writer. Lord save me from my side hustle. Rebecca, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good. How are you guys? Good, we're good. Becky, do you have a side hustle? You know, I, I would say writing or building a house, um, I, I guess those would be my two side hustles. That's kind of big. I mean, if you're building a house, that doesn't sound like, that sounds hustle. like the hustle, not the side. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is kind of all-consuming, yes. Yeah. I mean, in, in the piece you write about, which is kind of funny because we did not know we were going to do this, but you talk about Chip and Joanna mm-hmm. Gaines. Who we were talking about just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, talk about a side hustle. That's like a behemoth mm-hmm. hustle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, Joanna Gaines has this really cool story that I stumbled upon a couple of years ago where actually um, she felt like the Lord was telling her to take a, you know, kind of push pause on her home goods store. Um, I think it was called Magnolia Market or it's a little boutique. And she did um, to spend more time with her little people at home. And we all know the rest of the story. <laughs> she has silos now, right? Mm-hmm. She, yeah. she owns silos. So right. I, Right, four books but, and an empire right. and furniture real, line. She's a real blood. she's a real estate mogul and she's selling she's, paint. She's going to be seen at Target everywhere, and she's still doing her own blog. And that's a hustle. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a song called mm-hmm. "Do the Hustle"? Do the hustle. Do 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 do. Right. Of course. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't that's know. A what, different one. I yeah, that's that, a different it's, it's a different kind of hustle. <laughs> is what it is. So, Sorry. <laughs> okay, so I mean, having a hobby or something that you're devoted to can be a really wonderful thing. Um, especially, mm-hmm. you know, I have a couple friends who are in jobs that they really don't like, um, but they feel they need to stay in the job. But they're just—it's—it's it's just not the kind of thing that they go into any day feeling excited about. So when they leave mm-hmm. their job and go home and do whatever it is that they're doing, each one of them is doing a different thing. That gives them a sense of excitement, yeah. purpose, Passion. creativity. You know that that sort of thing. Um, but then, of course, if you go over the line, then you can become like a crazy person. Yes, um, and that actually was what inspired me to, to kind of explore this. Now, I'm not an expert at all. Actually, I write about things I don't understand as a means to try to understand them That's better. Good. And yeah, and I was really struggling with this idea of what's the difference between working hard and hustling? Mm-hmm. Um, because I kept seeing these things pop up, these hashtags. I don't know if you're like, if you love Instagram, you see latte art goals, home goals, 
you know, uh, mom goals. We have these things that we're chasing. We think we want to be so good at. And we think, I think on some level, they're going to be happier <laughs> when we achieve them. And so that's, that's the lie of the hustle is when I get there, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. I think the difference between a hobby is you're happy while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting you life while you're doing it. A hustle is when, it, when it's done, then I will be. Um, I think that's one of the big differences. So a hustle can be something that you're passionate about that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to provide you with a paycheck, though, right? No. No. I, I No. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think hustle, I think the idea of hustle, sometimes it's um, success. And success is a, you can't only describe it in, you know, in terms of, you know, dollars. I think sometimes um, all we want is, it's that, it's that urge in us to achieve. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, part of this is, I think wise and biblical, I think all hustles actually start from a genuine um, respectable place, and it's a, kind of a place of, of faith and daring and being boldness, uh, being bold. Yeah. And I actually have a little cute planter that I bought a few years ago, and it says seed the day, like S-E-E-D, the mm. day, so it's kind of a plan. Um, and I thought it was so cute and clever. But I loved it because I love that verse in Ecclesiastes where Solomon kind of warns that those who wait for perfect weather never plant. And I think that's kind of at the heart of a hustle is this idea of the time's never going to be right. You know, it's never going to be the right time to write the book. It's never going to be the right time to build the house. It's never going to be the right time to, you know, do that thing. So let's find time. Let's carve out time. And that's kind of where the hustle begins. And there's kind of a, a brazenness and a faith and a sense of adventure. And I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think somewhere along the lines, it just, it sours. You know, it's, it stops... Um, it becomes self-reliant, becomes too hungry. Um, I, I don't know. It, at some point, it goes bad. Rebecca so. Renee Jones is with us, author of the memoir, Broken for Good, How Grief Awoke My Greatest Hopes. And she and her husband are building a farmhouse in upstate New York. Okay, so what about, is is there a, a time, like how do you know when you've crossed the line? You know, you think from a distance, yeah. you think, oh, well, that'd be easy. But when you're in it, it's very hard to tell. I think other people um, often let you know. So one of, the, one of the moments is, like, you can you start losing time in your calendar for people. So that's a big, I think that's a big red flag. Um, the busiest people, like I always say, like, Jesus literally had to get onto a boat, right, to to talk to people. He had to, he had to get away to sneak out. Um, but he, he had time for people. He had this huge mission, but he had time for people. Like people, people were the, the mission. And, and sometimes we forget that at the end of the day, we're meant to be relational. And if, if, if whatever we're pursuing is making it hard to spend time with people, um, we really have to, to look at why we're pursuing it. Mm-hmm. Well, you so, know, that's well, probably the biggest one. But what, what about like the, you know the great artist? When you think about someone like you know Van Gogh or something, he was content just to be by himself out in a field somewhere and painting, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly he did not make a, a whole lot of money from that hustle at all. But he's one of the greatest in the history of the world. But so there, there, there's you know some people that are extreme in their hustle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right? The other thing you have to look at too is <laughs> there's 
there's a difference. I mean, a lot of people who are artists are introverts, and yeah, so naturally yeah, yeah. they enjoy being with themselves. So that probably was at play there. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. But I think to the point where people need you and are people that you know you are meant to invest in, yes. and you're neglecting them, you have a sense of of when what's right. Your good. priorities. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah. so in the article, Becky, you talk about you and your husband, and uh, you say that soon you'll be holding a C of O. Uh, talk about that. Yeah. Tell us that. Yeah, we have it. We're in our house now, nice. and it is half done <laughs> as we're living in it. Um, to, to give you an example, the powder room door, which is the main, uh, the powder room bathroom door is not installed. So mm-hmm. guess cannot use the bathroom after mm-hmm. one upstairs. But, you know, it, it, it's done enough, um, and we're in it, and I'm constantly cool. trying to tell people who come over, you know, I'm making apologies, and I'm trying to tell myself, don't apologize. Yes. You, know, you guys have you've worked hard. Don't apologize. Go slow. And I actually said to my husband the other day, I said, the extent to which you and I are going to be happy right now, and actually for the next few years while we keep finishing this house, is we need to we need to look at what we've achieved. We can't look at the things that aren't painted, mm, aren't hawked, yeah. the grass that isn't seeded. You know, look what we've done. That's cool. So, I mean, yeah. you guys are in the house, and you're going to build it as you build it at your own pace. And, uh, I mean, that, that unto itself has got to feel great. So when you guys started to build the house, was it from the ground up? I mean, did you lay a foundation? Was it was a brand-new place? Yeah. We, well, when I say we built it, G-seeded. So we acted, we helped um, – we found contractors who sure, did sure. different things for us. Now, at one point in the project, my husband actually wound up plumbing the house himself because he had such a hard time finding a plumber, which was scary because he's he's only done a little, I'll call it recreational plumbing here and there. But <laughs> I love <laughs> recreational plumbing. It's hustle plumbing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yes. Um, we've had waterfalls with recreational plumbing. But that's <laughs> I bet story. you have. Um, yeah, that's but, good, but we learned the hard way, you know, and uh, we've learned by making lots of mistakes. And, you know, it's it's an adventure. So, what's exciting? Well, here. thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing this. Uh, Very cool. This, these stories with us. It's a good admonition for us, and best wishes on your house. Thank you. The pleasure's ours. Rebecca Jones, NCT. Lord, save me from my side hustle. Your credit card companies love you. They love it when your cards stay maxed out. They love it when you only make minimum payments. They love it when you struggle. Why? Because they own you. And minimum payments mean maximum profits. Here's great news. National Debt Relief is now offering you free information on how to escape your credit card debt nightmare. If you owe more than $10,000 in credit card debt and are only barely making minimum payments, know this. You may not have to pay it all back. In fact, you may have the right to settle that debt for only a fraction of what you owe. National Debt Relief has helped thousands of people get rid of over $500 million of debt. And they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Get the information you need for free right now before this offer goes away. Go to ndrnow.com now and escape your credit card debt troubles. Go now to ndrnow.com. That's ndrnow.com. How much do you spend on your pest control each year? 200 300 or even $500 or more? What if I said you could spend less than $25 a year, even less with promo code SAVE20? Then listen up. G'day. I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, 
And yes, it is possible to rid your home or business of unwanted pests for less than $25 per year. The answer is Plug-In Pest Free. Our best seller, the Plug-In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. For just a one-time cost of only $249, even less with promo code SAVE20, you'll be pest-free for years to come. Log on to gopestfree.com today. Use promo code SAVE20 and start driving those pests away. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. gopestfree.com. That's gopestfree.com. Promo code SAVE20. Yep. Traffic. It is what it is. Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners, and cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me. With a financial strategy from Kurt Knodek. There he was on the radio again. Kurt Knodek. Yeah, retire sooner. So I called Kurt. We just talked about life, family. It felt right. Then come to find out, Kurt's personalized retirement planning showed me retirement wasn't as far off as I thought. Now the only thing I'm missing is the traffic. Do you need a financial strategy for retirement? Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group, 412-515-3355. That's 412-515-3355. Investment advisory services offered through Accurate Solutions Group, Inc. Clear and rather mild for tonight, the low 56 degrees. Tomorrow, partly sunny, breezy and very warm, high 81. Increasing clouds for tomorrow night. It'll be a warm night, low 66. And for Thursday, breezy and staying very warm with clouds and some intervals of sunshine. An afternoon shower, thunderstorm will be around. High again, 81 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. People say we're monkeying around We're too busy singing To put anybody down We go where we want to Do what we like to do The only time to get restless There's always something new This is my childhood is it really? Oh, yeah. This is probably 1968, 67, somewhere okay. in that ballpark. So the Monkees were this, they were the first of the sort of um, preformed groups. There was this runaway hit called the Beatles, and people were quick to capitalize on that. So producers, um, people in Hollywood and whatnot thought, well, we can just, you know, hit lightning in a bottle once again. And so they started these, you know, Groups like the Monkees, they had auditions, there were casting sessions, they brought in guys of dubious musical styles and talent, Mm -hmm. and they formed some groups. And the Monkees was by far the most popular. They had a network TV show that went, I think, for at least four years, maybe five. Really? They were, they sold out concerts. I mean, they were, you know, a, they were sort of derided, I think, probably in the, uh, the serious musical scene, but, they made a good go of it, and I think all four of the guys had careers post-monkeys, which brings us to something you just discovered. Well, I just discovered this today. Yeah. Well, what? First of all, the monkeys don't mean anything to me no, because missed I, I missed them. Um, 
But I was reading this news article today. About what? About Mike, Michael Nesmith. Why? Uh, he just came up, you know, how you're doing stuff Surfing online around, and Michael Nesmith came up and it was, it, it said that his uh, net worth is 50, over $50 million. Not because of the monkeys. And I thought, Really? Like the how do you get fifty million dollars no, out of the monkeys? He didn't. So then, of course, I had to read further, and I found out that it was his mother mm-hmm. actually who was so unbelievably wealthy, and then left the money to him. So then I thought, well, what the heck is his mother doing? What'd she do to get fifty million dollars in nineteen fifty or whatever? She it had was. an idea. Yeah, but here's the thing. Let me just say this now, Mike. You do anything about the monkeys? Absolutely not. Okay, okay. so me neither. Okay. Well, I thought this was like a real, a great revelation that I figured out today. And I couldn't wait to drop it on the air to John because I knew he was a Monkees fan. I, this is going to be a great. John already knows what I'm going to tell you. And our boss, our boss knows Gary, it. he knew, management knew. My guess is anybody in our audience who's over the age of 50 already knows this. So, you know, this is not going to be a great reveal. No, it's All not. Right. Okay. But the reason he has $50 million yeah. is because his mother, Betty, who was a typist, Invented whiteout. What? Do you know what whiteout is? Yeah, of course I know what whiteout is. How do you know? Now, why would you know what whiteout is? I played with it in like third grade. I I used it in third grade. But nobody really uses, I mean, okay, the days of typewriters are long gone. Right. So I'm surprised that the whiteout fortune is still viable. Listen, so she was a typist who was frustrated by the mistakes she made. Mm -hmm. They would force her to completely start over. And so she made whiteout in her family blender. So whiteout uh, comes in a little bottle, like it's maybe half the size of a nail polish bottle with a little applique like nail polish. In the old days, when you were typing, Mm -hmm. you made a mistake, you just pulled up, you know, bup, 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 you scrolled up, you made the little blot, you know, the error, you covered right. over with this little white paste, right. it dried quickly, you went back down, you typed over top of it, no one was worse for the wear. Right. You're it's good to go. Good it's to essentially go. paint, right? Yeah, yeah it's like paint. paint. Exactly. Right, right. exactly. I think it's awesome that she made it in her blender. And she called it mistake out. Mistake out. Mm-hmm. Mistake and then out. they called it liquid paper. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know when it became white out. But that was in 1951 that she invented it. And in 1979, she sold the rights to the Gillette Company for $47.5 million. Nice. I mean, that is a, wow. that's, that's she, a payday. She could buy a nice blender. Heck yeah, she for could. That. Yeah, I use whiteout all the time. Why? How? Well, I, you I, gotta be, I think most people who work in an office who you know do a lot of copying use whiteout. Really? Yeah, I use whiteout just because um, – I do. I, I do a lot of work with musical notation, and um, and so when if you're writing out your own musical notation mm, by hand, you you use it. Now I don't do a lot of music notation by hand anymore, but I do um, print out a lot of music charts online, and then I alter them myself, and then I copy them for other people because of my work, see, my sure, work sure. in in music leadership. And so whiteout is an absolutely essential element of my life. Really? I use whiteout. All the time, because here's the thing, you know, I print out a chart. I don't like, you know, you know, a, a first ending there. I don't like a repeat there. All you do is white it out, and then you, you know, put you, your own notes in. So you've got your white out in one hand, you got your black sharpie in the other. You're good to go. And then when it's all done, and I'll, you just make your copies, and everybody has the same notation. You're good to go. Now have that you, surprises me. Have you ever used white nail polish instead? Never. No. no. I'm sure it doesn't. No, because work white nail near. polish isn't wouldn't be thick enough. Hmm. Yeah, and you probably it's, couldn't type it, over top or right yeah, because, over top of it. Yeah, because all nail polish, not that you would know this, Mike, but I'm happy you asked, is relatively clear at first. I mean, oh. I'm re- I mean re- not not clear. It's translucent. 
Mm-hmm. So you can still see things through it. So it doesn't become really solid unless you put three or four coats on it. Well, you don't want to put three or four coats. Whiteouts just bink. You're done. Good to go. It's, it's thick. awesome. See, I love it. When I would think about whiteout, you know, post typewriter, I would get a little nostalgic for it. Thinking, would you? Oh, like, you like it's gone forever. Come open my desk at any time and I, you'll have some whiteout right there. I'd like to see it because I can't, I can't tell the last time I've seen it. Well, it's different now because they it, it used to have a little brush at the end. There's no like, brush? There's what no there brush. There's a it's a little spongy foam. thing. Yes. It's like foam at the end. Like uh, shoe polish? Yeah. Right. Oh. It, which is a little better. Really, yeah, it is? I think it's better. I think the brush would or the brush would be a little yeah, more concise. I think I like the sponge better because right. the sponge has a nice point to it, so you can be very you know particular. I do miss the the brush though. I kind of felt like Bob Ross. Yeah, I understand that. Out, I understand. Yeah. And a lot of mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> happy happy accidents. And I don't no think you can go back and buy the brush anymore. I think it's just a thing of the past. You just have to say goodbye to it, embrace the foam tip, and just be glad that they're still right. whiteout. I'm sure I will never in my life buy a bottle of whiteout. Well. You know, if you ever, this is another thing I've done multiple times in my life. If you are, uh, work in interior design of any sort, everybody uses whiteout. Because when you, you know, hang something on the wall and then you pull it off, you have a hole in the wall or whatever. It, if you put whiteout in there, it's not that you're going to cover up. I mean, obviously, if you're going to actually patch your wall, that's the way to do it. But if it's just a temporary thing, like something fell off your wall and you've got people coming over or whatever, every one of my white walls has whiteout on it somewhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I think that falls into the category of who knew. See the things you learn here Mm -hmm. on the ride home? Whiteout. So I'm grateful for Betty Nesmith Graham. I wonder if it's a, is it a problem? Is it still Gillette? I wonder if it is Gillette. I don't know the answer to that. Those razor blades are sure overpriced. 101.5 WORD. On the next Focus on the Family, you'll hear the amazing story of the Napalm Girl, the central figure in the iconic prize-winning photograph from the Vietnam War. Kim shares her incredible testimony of being bombed when she was just nine years old and how she eventually found forgiveness. That's next time on Focus on the Family. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Moms, wow, aren't they special? Doesn't that word just warm your heart and make you feel loved? Hi, it's me, Marcia from The Spring House, and I am so blessed to get to work side-by-side with my mom every day in our family business. And right now, my mom and I are planning for a special day for you and your mom on Mother's Day. Every year on Mother's Day, we barbecue chicken quarters over the open pit outside with our secret butter sauce. Baked beans, corn pudding, coleslaw, macaroni salad, ho-ho cake, and more will abound inside to go along with that tasty tender chicken when i was a teenager and we first started cooking for crowds all my mom wanted for mother's day was for us five kids to help get ready to make this a special day for our guests so bring your family and come hungry to enjoy the wonderful farm fresh meal that we started all those years ago oh yeah live music and free cones for moms too let us share a little of our farm with you the spring house in 84 pa 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com it's pretty typical to have moisture in your basement, especially in the Pittsburgh area. Energy Swing's Steve Rennekamp on a new way to build a better basement. In conventional basement finishing, people put up two-by-fours, put fiberglass insulation in it, and then put drywall on it and paint it. 
Every one of those things is organic. It will absorb moisture, and over time, they will start to deteriorate and grow mold. In our total basement systems, there's no organic materials used. There's nothing there that will absorb moisture, and without moisture being absorbed, there's no mold. This is a system that has been used throughout the country for 20 years, so it's got a lot of history, a lot of track record, and we feel very fortunate to be able to handle it in the Pittsburgh area. For most people, their basements are sort of empty space that they're not utilizing. This allows you to use that space productively, and it's a great-looking system when it's done. Right now, get 20% off your new finished basement with Energy Swing's Total Basement Finishing System. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com. This is Robin Trzynski of the Original Mattress Factory. Interested in that half-off mattress sale? Don't be. Most retailers are just promoting half-off a completely made-up price loaded with huge markups. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have never had a sale. Our hand-built quality and value are there every day, and our prices don't change. So take your time and purchase only when you're ready. Don't buy into the half-off sale hype. It simply isn't real. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at RamaChristianSchool.org. Welcome back. Happy that you're with us today. I think when you struggle with something, whether it's a physical ailment or it's an emotional problem or whatever it is, when you hear about somebody famous who has it, it makes you feel better. Yeah, I I guess you're right about that. Like I remember when I found out that LeBron has vertigo. He has the same type of vertigo I have. I was like – well, if he can do if it, if LeBron has it, yeah, yeah, I mean, he seems to be pretty functional. Yeah. You think if LeBron can live with vertigo, yeah, yeah. Although I'm sure he's got like handlers, yeah, and he things does. Like that, doesn't I'm he? sure he didn't agonize over the purchase of the adjustable bed as long as I have. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah there is that. But but anyway, I, it just gives you a little bit of a sense of okay. So I'm not the only one that has this, and other oh, yeah. other people are living with this and right. clearly doing fine. Okay, so the uh, what's the ad on TV, which I've seen about five million times, with the people with psoriasis, and you see Cindy Lauper, <laughs> right? I don't have psoriasis. I don't have psoriasis, <laughs> right? But right. when I see Cindy Lauper, I go, "Oh, I didn't know she had psoriasis." <laughs> Right? Oh, good for her. Look how well she's doing. Yeah, she's doing pretty good. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah, and she is. Yeah. And so good for her, right? I mean, but that's your point. Right. right? It is. It is that you just, I don't know. I don't, it, it can be, it can be encouraging, especially if someone who, is famous speaks out well on an issue and says, look, this is something I've really struggled with. Like when Mary Tyler Moore talked about being a diabetic. Yeah. You know, people like when she talked about it in probably the 70s, nobody was talking about 
illnesses. Like that was some kind of like taboo thing. But what if you, you know, on the on the flip side, what if you like, you know, there's a famous celebrity who is in, you know, in sobriety, and then you think, oh, that guy's sober. Well, I'm going to be sober like that guy as well. And then he falls off the wagon, right? And then you're like, you think, oh no, that's horrible. You know, I know. You shouldn't speak about your sobriety. Next thing I find out, like LeBron can't play the next game because he's like laid out. He's like a top. He's He's spitting so much, he's like hurling at every turn. You go, oh, I can't know that. Oh, great. It took LeBron down. It's going to take me down. Exactly. Here it comes. Uh, Amy Simpson is with us. Amy's a regular guest on our show. Uh, She's written this wonderful piece about Mariah Carey has admitted to manic depression. And and Amy writes often about mental illness in this world. And Amy, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So there is something, Amy, about hearing a um, a, a well-known person um, talk about a, an ailment they have. And then if you have the same ailment, it gives you a little bit of encouragement. You think, okay, well, I don't know if you heard. I don't think you were on the line yet. But I was talking about, um, you know, I have chronic vertigo. And I found out that LeBron has the same type of vertigo I do. Well, once I found out LeBron had it, I thought, it. well, heck, you know, I'm not going to get not going to get weighed down by this no he's a superstar What's stopping you <laughs> right exactly. exactly so uh, mariah carey recently made an announcement um that she has been diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder and it's been you know a long time it was 17 years ago mm-hmm. yeah and the interesting thing is she's been she's known this for quite some time and yet has only recently decided to actually seek treatment and consent to the treatment that she needs to you know, to get better and to live better. Hmm. So, um, so when you hear someone who is in the public eye say, "Okay, I struggle with mental illness," what does that make you think? Yeah, well, for me, you know, as somebody who's regularly advocating for um, for you know battling stigma around this issue and for better, more compassionate responses to people, I I'm, I just absolutely applaud it every time. You know, really, regardless of who it is, because for for people in the public eye, like you said, um, I think there's a there's a special weight that comes with them, you know, announcing things that they struggle with because they're so visibly successful. You know, right, right. we we know even if we don't like them, or even if we don't like what they do, you know, or produce, or even if we, um, you know, think that we wouldn't like to hang out with them as people. Still, we know they've achieved something. They've they've found fame. They've, for, in many cases, they've made you know built great fortunes, um, and they've lived at least outwardly visible, visibly successful lives. Yes. So, and so they may not have overcome it, but at least they've controlled it to some degree to allow them to have greater success in life. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I think it can encourage us to think, okay, maybe that's possible for the rest of us too. You know, maybe I can share my story too, and it won't mean. Um, that my you know my life is effectively over, or I can no longer live a successful life. Right. I think it would be very inspiring to other people, right, and I and it. I appreciate that. Amy Simpson's with us. She's an author. Her book is Troubled Minds: Mental Illness and the Church's Mission, and her latest, Anxious: Choosing Faith in a World of Worry. Now, Amy, you, you talk often about bipolar disease because th- this was something that was part of your family that your mother was bipolar. Actually, my mom has schizophrenia. Um, but she's she's um, also been diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, so I'm not sure you know which one it is at this point because sometimes these diagnoses change. Um, but schizoaffective disorder is basically a combination of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So 
you know, it's possible there's a, there's a similar component in my mom's illness, but hers is different from um, Mariah Carey's and, and most people who would just have only bipolar disorder that they'd be diagnosed with um, because it doesn't typically come with the, you know, the psychosis and the hallucinations and, and things that are part of I see. schizophrenia. Now, you write in your article, Amy, that the country over, fewer than half, fewer than half of the people who need mental health care receive it that's great now why yeah. is that is it are people afraid to talk about it are they afraid to seek it out what what accounts for that um yes and yes and more actually and it's a shocking statistic really because when you look at you know when you consider this is the united states of america we're talking about and um these statistics hold true for for other nations as well actually in canada where they have you know a national health care system um you might think the statistics would be better. They're actually a little bit worse. Um, so it's not just about, you know, our healthcare system or that kind of thing. It, it's complicated. Um, but there, we do have access problems in this country. Um, for example, we don't have enough psychiatrists. So if you need to see a psychiatrist, sometimes you, you may have to wait six months to get in and get an appointment with a psychiatrist. Oh, my. Um, you know, so people will, will try other things mm-hmm. in the meantime or you know, just they'll think that's not really an option for them. Right. Um, you know, another, but another problem is stigma. And, you know, you mentioned people are afraid to speak up. They're afraid to talk about what they're experiencing. Sometimes there are people who are afraid to acknowledge to themselves that they need mental health care, let alone to other people. And that, I think, may be among the biggest factors that influences this statistic, you know, that keeps people from actually mm. receiving the care they need. And quite frankly, um, I've heard so many stories of people who have um, gone to their churches and sought help through their churches and have been discouraged from seeking mental health care. You know, so there are, and churches aren't the other only organizations like that. There are others as well that have tend to have a lot of misinformation, oh. um, maybe superstition um, of, and and uh, suspicion of mental health care, and that can contribute to the problem as well. Wow. Well, you know, I think if if I could say anything at this point is, regardless of what kind of of psychological issue you're having. Asking for help can be difficult at first, but getting the treatment you need will change your life. Yes, and and, and I'm surprised to hear that stigma is still a big part of this because, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at whether it's Mariah Carey or whomever, this is, you know, mainstream and certainly mainstream television. I mean, they're selling pharmaceuticals to help with people with mental illness. I mean, people talk about this like they talk about the weather oftentimes, where even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was verboten to even bring this up in, you know, polite company. Yeah, it's true. We have made a lot of progress, actually. And even in the, even over the last 10 years or so, you know, I wrote my book, Troubled Minds, and when I was writing it, people would ask me, Yo, you know, you're writing a book. Oh, what's your book about? And I would tell them, and they would, they would just kind of, it would stop the conversation. Oh, really? Very awkward. <laughs> lots, lots of times, yeah, mm-hmm. because they would, they would sort of look at me like a deer in the headlights because they didn't know what to say. Right, right. Yeah, that's about, common. About, you know, right. writing about mental mm-hmm. illness in the church. Um, and by the time the book came out a couple of years later, it had really changed. And people were, we would respond and say, oh, wow, that sounds like a book we really need, mm-hmm. you know, or that sounds like an important topic. And, you know, they would still get very serious about it, um, sometimes maybe a little bit awkward, but it was recognized as something we needed to address. Yes. And I think that was largely 
due to some of the high-profile conversations that were happening, not yeah. only within our broader culture, but within the church and about this, yeah. mental health problems. And the stigma disappears in a way. Amy Simpson's with mm-hmm. us. Her book is called Troubled Minds, Mental Illness and the Church's Mission. Amy, what, what I like is that there are many churches who offer counseling, mental illness, marriage, whatever, right? That's become more mainstream, especially in the larger churches who can afford that. They'll have counselors. They'll have people on staff. Yeah, exactly. And you know what what most people don't realize is that when people, historically speaking, when people have sought help for a mental illness, um, churches are the number one place they go. That's actually 25% of the time people Mm. will go to a member of the clergy. And psychiatrists, it's 16%. General medical doctors, it's 16%. and And the numbers go down from there. So, you know, really our clergy and our faith communities are seen in our culture as the number one resource for help with mental illness. And part of that is, you know, the access issue, the stigma issue, where it feels like if I'm going to say, if I'm saying I'm just going to go talk to the pastor or the priest, you know, that doesn't feel as um, scary for for many people to say I'm going to talk to a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we need to recognize that, that our churches are um, part of the de facto mental health care system, whether we like it or not. In many cases, we're in a position to sort of play a, a triage role um, and help people then access mental health care from there. And the more we can talk about it and kind of break down the stigma within our churches, I think the better off everybody will be, you know, our, our, our entire our entire society well, being around this issue. That's really good. Amy, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a beacon here in what we're talking about. It was sometimes a very difficult and contentious subject. Thank you. Pleasure is ours. Amy Simpson, the author of Troubled Minds, Mental Illness and the Church's Mission. You can also find Amy's blog, which is online as well. dream of owning your own home? Dollar Bank's free Mortgages for Mothers workshop can show you how to break the rent cycle. You'll learn the right way to home ownership with a plan to strengthen your savings and create less debt. You can even get help with restoring bad credit. Join Lynn Hayes Freeland and Dollar Bank at the free Mortgages for Mothers home buying workshop Saturday, May 19th at 9 a.m. at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Child care will be available. To register, visit mortgagesformothers.com today. Dollar Bank, equal housing lender. With this job, having two hands won't cut it, which is why I thank the stars I have a third. Granger. When my two hands are full, I fully rely on Granger. They're America's number one source for industrial grade supplies. So, whether I'm fixing a furnace or fastening a faucet, Granger hands me what I need when I need it, which makes me a pretty lucky guy. Because when it comes to needing an extra hand, Granger's got your back. Call or click Granger.com to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Join the TJ Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. Your support helps facilitate cutting edge research that will lead to more effective treatments and save more lives. Visit tjmartell.org to learn more. CNBC reports today that several companies, including chip maker NVIDIA. What's that? I don't know who that is. Toy maker Hasbro, I have heard of them. Okay. Are reporting how a shortage of truck drivers is affecting their business. Quote, trucking is right now experiencing a severe crisis, said Robert Songer, vice president and general manager of automotive at NVIDIA. 
He said during the company's March Investor Day, there is a shortage of truck drivers because of Amazon. Really? What? You mean like big rigs? Big rigs. Yeah. He said trucks account for more than 70% of all tonnage that's moved in the U.S., Uh right? And a shortage of drivers has persisted for years due primarily to an aging workforce and poor compensation for the long hours Mm -hmm. away from home. Greg, the trucker, I hope you're listening. God bless you, Greg. Um, Coupled with increasing demand led by Amazon, according to industry experts. So more freight is moving across the country, less drivers to haul it. Right, That's a tough job. Right. That's a really tough job. And people are... um, much more willing to, or I mean, of course, you know, people are going to buy a TV online or they're going to buy a pair of shoes online. But now people are buying groceries online. You know, Anything. things that you would get at your local market, you're now getting from Amazon. You know what we bought the other day <laughs> online? I want to know. This what? is like, so the other day, last week was trash. And I put out, because you know your trash cans, they break down. So I put a little sign on one, please take this trash can. They took every trash can. They took all your trash cans. Every trash no. can. Yeah, yeah. So now in our family, I'm like, okay, we bought a trash can online. Like a big size trash can. Because my wife Did was like- Did it come in a box? Yeah. My wife was like, oh, I looked at Lowe's. This one was $6 cheaper plus free shipping. So it's the same one. So she bought that. So it came in a box. And a truck driver had to bring it to you. Yes, he did. A full-size trash can. Mm-hmm. God bless you guys. Is it a nice trash can? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. It's heavy duty. I like a good trash I can. I do, too. I like some bulk yeah. to it. We found one abandoned on the side of the road. What? With a lid and everything. Wheels. We felt like we had hit the lottery. Of course you did. It was That's awesome. Free trash can. Yeah, it was right there. We thought, it did it blow away from somebody's house? So we looked around. There was no house around there. So we thought... I think we're taking the trash can. Kathy Emmons, living large. We did. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications.